reading from Psalm 103. My soul, bless the Lord, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. My soul, bless the Lord, and do not forget all his benefits. He forgives all your iniquity. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with good things. Your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord executes acts of righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He revealed his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. He will not always accuse us or be angry forever. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows what we are made of, remembering that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He blooms like a flower of the field. When the wind passes over it, it vanishes, and its place is no longer known. But from eternity to eternity, the Lord's faithful love is toward those who fear him, and his righteousness towards the grandchildren of those who keep his covenant, who remember to observe his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, all his angels of great strength, who do his word, obedient to his command. Bless the Lord, all his armies, his servants, who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all the places where he rules. My soul, bless the Lord. The word of the Lord. A reading from 2 Corinthians. Therefore, we are ambassadors, of, ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says... In a favorable time, I listened to you, and in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, by great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, 
through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise. We are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. The word of the Lord. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. This is the holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that you may be giving in se- your giving may be in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Maybe see. Well, welcome everyone to our Ash Wednesday service observance here. Uh, if you're new to Church of the Cross, uh, I hope you're very feel very welcomed. And if this is your first Ash Wednesday service, um, I hope you're able to enter in. It can feel a little weird. It's very different from some services. Um, I hope you're very blessed in that. And if you don't know me, I'm Pete, one of the pastors here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening, uh, this time, and this season when we can remember um, just how great your grace for us is and how much we need it. I ask that you um, speak to our hearts through your, your word and um, bless the meditations of our hearts and my, my words in my mouth now, Lord, in your name, amen. 
So I want to start out by telling you about my grandpa, not my grandpa Bud. Sorry for getting your hopes up if you are familiar with those stories. Uh, I want to tell you about my grandpa Peter, except it's not quite an accurate description of him because he wasn't my grandpa. He was my great, 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 honestly, I don't know how many greats grandpa. Uh, 20 or 30 years ago, my great uncle Fred, who was my grandpa Bud's brother, if you need a reference to Bud, um, he spent a lot of time tracing our family history. Uh, and he went back through my great, great grandpa, John Berg. He immigrated uh, here from Sweden. He was originally John Peterson, but as we know, that name is far too common, so he had to change his name because his boss couldn't tell which of the John Petersons he was. Uh, but knowing that that was his actual last name, my great uncle was actually able to even find some very distant relatives in Sweden, and then he was able to trace the family all the way back to the mid-1700s to this man, Peter. I know that makes you wonder right away, are you named for him? Again, I'm Peter. Uh, and the answer is no, I'm actually named for my grandma's dad, um, who was Pete as well. We didn't know about this Peter when I was born. Anyway, I told you I wanted to tell you more about Peter, but honestly, I can't say all that much. We know he lived in Sweden. He had at least one son. Maybe my great-uncle knew of more. Uh, that son obviously took the last name Peterson. And because Peter had a child, we would assume he was married. Uh, there are hints in our story that Peter and his family were Christians. That could just be our hopes for him and them in some ways. It's about all I can say, and most of that isn't with a whole lot of certainty. Um, but then from the time he's from, the distance between us, maybe that's a lot at this point. Just think, I know nothing about his father, even though he's just separated from us by a few more decades than Peter is. Don't even know Peter's dad's name. And honestly, the only reason I know anything about Peter at all is because it was convenient for his family to use that name as their last name. So everyone could just say, oh, there goes Peter's son, um, as they went. So part of me feels pretty incredible. It's awesome to think of the fact that Peter existed. It's also quite disappointing that I can say so little else about him. I think I feel that more strongly because I share his name. It makes me feel like I want to share a whole lot more. Um, it is an odd thing that we can live and work and do so much, potentially know so many others, and then generally we can be so quickly forgotten. Peter mattered. I wouldn't be here without him. But also I wonder what is his lasting significance? Would he simply be happy to know that his family continues on in some way? Or was there a work he did, a passion that he pursued that was meant to last, and it hasn't? This is on my mind because today we are celebrating Ash Wednesday, and this is one of our more unique services. In particular, it comes with perhaps the darkest moment in all of our liturgies as Anglicans. When I'm done preaching, we're going to move to the imposition of ashes, and at this point, anyone who wants to will come forward, and myself or one of the other pastors will rub ashes on your head, and we'll say, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. It's a hard and very serious moment. I honestly fail at it as I smile a bit too much, which probably feels kind of morbid as you're coming up. Sorry about that. <laughs> to be clear, though, when we say that, you are dust, and to dust you shall return, we're just very nicely, poetically even saying you are going to die. The imagery of dust comes right from our creation story. In Genesis 2, we are told that God made Adam from the dust of the earth and then breathed life into him. 
And from then on, it becomes uh, a poignant reminder throughout the scriptures that we are dust. This is what we really are, and we find that even in our psalm today. Mainly as we look at Psalm 103, I think we see it's so wonderfully joyous and exciting. It's maybe a little surprising for an Ash Wednesday service. It has such deeply beautiful reminders about God and surrounded by these calls to praise and bless Him. But then as we read just past the middle, we came to verses 14 and 16, which said, For He knows what we are made of, remembering that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He blooms like a flower of the field. When the wind passes over it, it vanishes, and its place is no longer known. The psalmist interrupts all his praise and celebrations of God for this stark reminder, we are dust. Even more, we are like the grass or like the flower of the field. That might sound nice at first. We can think of beauty here, but the psalmist doesn't linger because this point is coming in verse 16. The hot winds come. Maybe we're supposed to envision a period of drought in this metaphor, but then the grass and the flower vanishes like it was never even there. Its place is no longer known. We can't tell where or even if it ever had been. Again, this is about death. The psalmist is saying, in the big picture, we are not here long before we're gone. But I think it's about more than death. In the psalmist's eyes, saying that we are dust, that we are just a flower that burns away, it's also saying that in the big picture, we are not significant. He means we won't be remembered. There will come a time when it's like we were never here. I think in these brief verses, the psalmist is looking so broadly at our lives. He's considering all of our hard work, the things we feel passionate about, the things we try to create or heal or change. He's considering that we will spend perhaps 70, 80, 90 years pursuing even good things, but then we will die. And after a few generations or maybe a few hundred years, our own family won't even remember our name, not to mention all that we did or tried to do. The psalmist is saying that in the end, we are not significant. In the end, we will be forgotten. And on Ash Wednesday, we are saying that this is true for all of us. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. But also today, we are saying that this doesn't have to stay true. When we put the ashes on your foreheads, you know this, we don't just smear them around randomly. We form them into a simple cross because God himself is not satisfied with the fact that we are dust. He's not satisfied with that so much so that he came down and took our death to free us from death. He came down and took our insignificance to free us and give us significance. He came down because while people may not remember us, our loving Father in heaven cannot forget us. That's really central to the whole praise of the psalm. Over and over again, the psalmist praises the way God considers and remembers us, looking at his compassionate care for us throughout this especially when he says that we are mortal, finite, we're so easily lost and forgotten, but our God's faithful and steadfast love for us is from eternity to eternity. His love for us is beyond time with no beginning and no end. He always loves us and he's a compassionate father to us, forgiving us, removing our sins, healing us, renewing us, acting in justice and righteousness for us, remembering us. We long to matter, to work and love in such a way that we leave a mark on this world. We crave significance. We know deep down that we're made for more than 70 years of life and a few decades more of being remembered. 
But on our own, we are like the flowers of the field, here today, dust and forgotten tomorrow. But we are not on our own. Our caring, compassionate Heavenly Father loves us. The Creator, the Eternal Lord remembers us. So no matter what else, this means that we do matter. We are significant because He says so. What I do matters because it can be done for Him. He sees it and knows it. Even when it is done in secret, our God sees it. But really, it's not enough just to say that God remembers us because He does so much more. In 1 Corinthians, St. Paul says that just as, we have been born, we, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. The work of Christ is so complete that he died not only our death, that he became dust like us, but that as Christ rose from the dead, so shall we likewise be raised. The God who loves us and remembers us will even give us new and unending life in Christ. And that means that no matter how much we might feel our insignificance now, no matter how small our works might seem, we are destined for glory and power. We will be given an eternity in which to work, to create, to build. We're given significance by our God and Savior. But this hasn't, this hasn't fully happened for us yet. Our lives often feel much more closely aligned with Ash Wednesday than with Easter. So we are waiting and longing for what is to come while still continuing on while still living out this Lent in our lives. So I think much of the challenge of this season for us is to recognize our own insignificance, but then even more to find rest in that. I cannot make myself last. I cannot make my work meaningful. I cannot save myself or anyone else. All that I can do is offer all that I am, as little as that may feel and be, I can offer that to the God who sees and remembers and then trust that he's always at work to do more than I can ask or imagine. Our primary disciplines in Lent fit this very well. As we fast, we are remembering our frailty, how weak and small we really are, that we are truly dust. And then as we give our money away, we are trusting that God can do something truly lasting, truly meaningful and helpful with it, things I would never be able to accomplish on my own. And then as we pray, I hope we can pray like Psalm 103 here. We can see our own insignificance and with that turn to praise and blessing of this God who sees us and remembers us. And especially in that prayer, even in secret, we are promised by Jesus himself that we are seen and even rewarded by the Father. We are being invited deeper into the only relationship where we will find our true value, the value that we have in the Father's love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you love us, that you see us and remember us, that you have so much for us. Um, as we move through this season, may we turn to you and remember, open our eyes and our hearts to see again all that you've given, and may we find rest in the fact that it's not up to us, that it is you who are at work. Amen.